You get a hit. You get a hit. You get a hit. The Mets bats finally came alive on Thursday as they avoid getting swept in the windy city as the Mets won 10 to one over the Cubs. Thanks to Cookie Carrasco's best outing of the year. Boy, did he need it. Jolly Olive from John Boy Media, JM Baseball, formerly Shea Station. He's going to join me on this episode as the vibes are good following a Mets win. And we take you into Memorial Day weekend right here on Amazing But True from the New York Post. And it's coming up next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. And he reaches for one and pokes it in a right of base in. Alonzo in. Here comes Beatty. He'll score. It's a two-run single for Starling Marte. There's Alonzo, and he hits one in the air to right, chasing Suzuki back into the well near the wall, and it's out of here. Pete Alonzo goes the other way. His second home run of the series is 19th of the year. A two-run shot, and it's 7-1 to New York. Second, and Nimmo lines it in the right center, a base hit, and that'll bring in two. Vogelback is in. Alvarez will score. Nimmo round second. He's going to try for three. Porter's relay through to third. Not in time. It's a two-run triple for Brandon Nimmo. Nine to one. Ooh, welcome back to Amazing But True, a New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Those highlights you heard are courtesy of SNY, of course. Man, it feels so much better doing a show after a victory. After a couple of stinkers in Chi-Town, the Mets salvage a victory on Thursday, and it was a beautiful victory. Jake Brown here to talk about it with my special guest co-host on the show coming on for the first time. You heard him on Shea Station. You hear him on John Boy Media. Catch the JM Baseball YouTube. Subscribe to that. It is Jolly Olive, Jack, Jolly, Jolly, Jack. Oh, so many names. We love to see it. Subscribe to his YouTube page as well and follow him on Twitter at Jolly underscore Olive. Jolly. I, I like Jolly. It, it's, we're in Jolly spirits here on the show. There you go. Like Welcome that. to the program. How you doing? 
I'm good, man. Feels like you said, good to do the show after a win. Uh, I, this easily could have been a very sad pod after a sweep because the Mets kind of treat Wrigley like a house of horrors, but they go out there, they put up 10. Cookie has a great start. The vibes completely shift. Now you go to cores and hopefully you can keep the bats banging, get a few more high scoring uh, output games and then come back home for a nice homestand. Vibes are good. It's been a roller coaster ride. You go from the ultimate downfall to the ultimate uphill climb in the five game win streak with a couple of miraculous walk offs to two losses in Chicago and fans wanting Vogie's head, fans wanting Bucks head, fans wanting Fam's head. And now we eat good tonight because Cookie Carrasco and yeah, I went with the double stuffed Oreos tonight. And I was kind of hungry because I did have salmon, brown rice, and veggies for dinner. So. I was in the mood for a snack. So in honor of Cookie Carrasco's finest outing of the year, people forget that he was a 15-game winner. Uh, He isn't a bum, so he was due. We eat double-stuffed Oreos. Jolly, while I eat my Oreos, tell me what you thought about Cookie tonight. What worked? What didn't? Six and two-thirds, one run. Couldn't get through the seventh, but he was dealing. Masterful planning by you to toss it to me as eat your cookie. Got to commend that. Uh, cookie looked great. And it's kind of, you know, he lives and dies by the changeup when it's working. He does well when it's not. It's kind of a tough go for him because he really doesn't have the out pitch. But he had five whiffs on his changeup. Uh, I was really happy they let him go back out there for the seventh because I thought they'd cut him off after six. Say job well done and keep him at a good outing. But I like Buck trusting his veteran starter there after they gave him some insurance runs. Curveball looked great. And I think it all came down to that bases loaded jam uh, where he ended up walking, say, a Suzuki and then uh, deciding to face Mike Talkman, which I think was the right move because uh, he goes after Talkman, he trusts his stuff, gets the ground ball and then cruises for the rest of the outing. You know, a lot could have changed if, you know, there's a hit or two there and the Cubs put out four or something like that. The entire outlook of the outing change. Instead, Cookie goes out there, he deals. And uh, this is something to build upon because the Mets, you know, we have an answer at our top three there and Verlander, Scherzer and Senga. That's an endless uh, discussion that's been going on. It's really who is going to claim those four and five roles. Quintana, we're waiting on him. Cookies had, you know, a good start now. McGill's had good starts here and there. But if Cookie can go out there and be the guy that he was in July of last year and early August of last year, then there's no reason why it shouldn't be him. I got two cookies in while you're saying that. I didn't want to overdo it and have to, you know, hit the toilet mid-episode here. Stuff the face, man. Amazing, but true. You know, Cookie needed this because five, six, five, three of his four outings got shelled. First inning continued to struggle, gave up the home run tonight, but finds a way out of it. Like you said, the base loaded jam got out of it, and this is what the Mets need out of the other piece of that Lindor trade. And a guy who is, you're thinking, coming into the season as your fourth, fifth starter – is a steal. He's an, you know, he's a three on any other team in the big leagues, probably. But the Mets, he's not even gonna get a spot in the playoffs. And here he is coming out against an offense that had shelled the Mets the last two nights. Um, and it was good to see, and it was good to see the bats come alive here. Pete Alonzo, 19 homers on pace for 60. Jolly, the Mets, I mean, we keep saying, you know, on Twitter, lifetime contract, make them an orange and blue forever. But it's hard to deny that despite what my guy Sal Licata not liking his humping antics and his, you know, uh, cursing and the F-bombs and old man talking to a cloud and, you know, on their lawn, not liking F-bombs and humping. We like F-bombs and humping here on Amazing But True and we like Pete Alonzo. So, you know, he's making more of a case here for the Mets to extend him and get it done at some point this year. He is fun to watch despite a little bit of a low average. We can't admit he needs to bring that up. 
But I mean, the power bat is there, and there's a good chance if he stays healthy, he's at least hitting 50 this year. I mean, yeah, if he stays healthy and stays on this pace and maintains that approach, there's no reason why he can't. And I mean, if he hits 250 while he does it, I don't, I don't really care because when Pete Alonso goes and the power is there, the Mets go. And you see that first thing with the offense tonight: two for two, two RBI, two walks, and the home run, and kind of everything falls into place after that. And it was just a great job by the lineup as a whole tonight. McNeil had a really good approach. He had three hits, and all of them were kind of at you know the bottom of the zone, the middle of the zone, the top of the zone, which is when he's at his best. He can hit anything and get a barrel on anything. Uh, Nimmo had a couple great swings. And this is just, you know, this is what we needed. We saw the 10-run game against Cleveland. We saw the Tampa Bay comeback. But we need to start seeing consistency out of the Mets lineup. And they kind of got stymied by Stroman uh, last night. It didn't really look like they had a good approach at all. It was a lot of early count swinging. You know, it was deep into the eighth inning with barely any pitches. Uh, And tonight they just looked like they had a much better game plan against Kyle Hendricks, who was making his first start back, but it's still a game you should win. It's a game that you should pounce on and get a lot of runs in. That's exactly what they did. And this should continue, I would hope, in cores for a Rockies team that is absolutely beleaguered with injuries to their starting rotation. And it's interesting because Tyone was the original starter and you're thinking, ah, perfect. We got an ADRA versus ADRA. You're going to bet the over on Thursday. And then Hendricks comes in there and you didn't know what you were going to get. A guy coming off an injury, you know, has had success in the past, was great in 2016. It's been a while, but he's been out for like a year. So the Mets got the bad Hendricks tonight and they capitalize. They take one. They stay over 500 here as they go to Colorado. NL East is really up for grabs. Braves have been up and down. The Mets five and a half out. They're in the third wild card spot. I don't like to look at the wild card standings on May 25th, but you know, just have to say for all the people thinking fire Buck at the season ended today, the Mets are making the playoffs. So firing Buck is not going to do a damn thing. And listen, Buck's got to stop playing Vogelback. Anyone with a brain, we know he should not be in the lineup. We know Tommy Pham, who dropped a routine ball the other night, who is not hitting the baseball. And neither is Vogelback. And Vogelback keeps playing over Mark Vientos. It is alarming. It's not a fireable offense. And again, there's no replacement for Buck that's coming in and is, you know, getting the Mets a, a ring this season. It's just not happening. Buck is the guy. But it is alarming, Jolly, that we do continue to see Vogelback. And, you know, he got a single, which means Groundhog Day. He's going to play the next six weeks as the eighth. But I, I think you just got to give Vientos time because. We'll talk about it in a bit with Alvarez. You're seeing Alvarez playing time, how he gets, continues to get better, how he works. His framing's better. His defense is better. The last five games is in 474. You're seeing what playing time and consistency does for a young player. And Mark Vientos hasn't had that opportunity. He got the pinch hit against Tucker Barnhart on a 40-mile-an-hour EFIS in the ninth that he popped out. But we need to see this kid get opportunities and see what kind of spark jolly that he could give this lineup. And we're just not seeing it. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it there. And I think the difference with Alvarez is just the, the position. You know, it's very, it's much easier to get him into the lineup. The options around him are not nearly as good. And the Mets were kind of forced to play him. And then this, you know, blossomed out of it. You know, the fact that this 21-year-old kid was able to assimilate so well. With Vientos, it's a little bit tougher because the Mets have a problem of too many bodies right now. I mean, Vogelback, I know a lot of fans have their gripes with him, and I totally get it. And he had a good April and a bad May, but he's not getting cut. He's not getting DFA'd. If anybody's going to get cut or DFA'd, it's the guy that they probably shouldn't assign in the first place, which is Tommy Pham, because he fulfills all the same roles that Mark Canna does 
in a slightly lesser quality. And you already had Mark Canna for this year. It's a signing that I still really don't understand. It felt like kind of a panic signing after Adam Duvall went to the Red Sox and the Mets just decided to get a fourth outfielder on the bench. But that's, I think, the thing that's really in Vientos's way because he'll get consistent playing time. I'm hoping he'll get at least two games uh, at Coors Field. But having, you know, McNeil being able to play corner outfield positions, being able to shift Escobar and the different places in the infield enables you to play Vientos at third and play him at DH and get him in these games. If not for the fact that you have so many bodies on your bench that are career guys that really need starts to start playing well, they're not off the bench kind of guys like, you know, a Guillaume was who they had to send down to make room for Vientos. But the bottom line is, yeah, you need to play him. He was hitting both righties and lefties down in the minor leagues. There's no reason why that can't translate for him as he is one of the older baby Mets at this point. And uh, we saw it with Beatty. He's playing pretty much every day at this point. They've given him the keys over Escobar, even though Escobar has kind of had some good games here and there in his new role. And obviously, Alvarez, we just mentioned, Vientos needs to be the next next guy that actually gets a fair look. And I'm hoping that this course field stop where, you know, a fly ball hitter and Vientos can maybe pop some out of course field could be a really positive series for him and hopefully a turning point in the amount of playing time he gets. Well, it's interesting. You said Fam will be the guy and Vogelback won't. Why not both? Why not get rid of them both? Mauricio becomes that guy. You know, they designate Gary Sanchez for assignment. Didn't really get a ton of opportunities. Tomas Nito comes back. You can argue Sanchez is more of a have more pop, and maybe they should have just, you know, sent Nito down or DFA Nito. Why not cut Vogel back too? You don't think both these guys could go and maybe Mauricio is the guy in a couple of weeks. I'm not saying tomorrow, but in a couple of weeks, you don't see the Mets maybe canning both of them. My only thought process here, and it's not one that I've vocalized a lot because I'm sure it'll be upsetting to Mets fans. Uh, I think that the Mets are sitting on Mauricio a little bit and waiting until this trade deadline to see exactly what big fish they could possibly get for him. Because if you asked me a year ago, I would not have said that Ronnie Mauricio's value is very high. He had an OBP of his career under 300 in the minor leagues. He struck out a lot. He was just inconsistent, didn't really have a position. Now it's at an all-time high. He's raking at AAA. He's all over the infield. And I think the only reason they're keeping him down is because they don't want to risk lowering his value by bringing him up and not playing him or bringing him up and having him struggle. And if the Mets are serious about this year, then they have a serious problem in their lineup in the terms of power. And there's a lot of power hitters that are going to hit the market at the deadline. And I'm sure they'd be looking for a piece like Ronnie Mauricio at the deadline to make that swap. So that is my only line of thinking for why the Mets would go ahead and bring back Vogelback and sign fam and not give him a shot straight away because I think they want to keep his value as high as possible. That's a lot of speculation on my part. I don't know if it's true at all, but it's the only way I kind of make sense of things because otherwise Mauricio should be with the club right now. He's raking at AAA and I'm sure that it would translate really well at the major league level. That's a good point. You know, it's not something you thought of, but uh, it's valid because he can't do any better than he's doing at AAA. And if he starts, if he comes up here and struggles, that value goes down. I don't know who that big fish is. I'm not in love with, you know, giving up everyone for two months of Otani. I'm not in love with it, but it will be an option out there. We know who the GM is. We know who his former team was. Uh, that is, you know, we're stirring the pot here on the show here. I, I like that. Um, but I don't know if that's the guy. But listen, this team needs bullpen help. They can use another bat. But it'll be interesting to see what they do here. And it'll be interesting in a week or a couple of weeks when Omar, Omar Navai is on his way back. What do you think of designated Sanchez for Simon? I, I mean, I think Nito's just here until 
Narvaez gets back and then he's gone and it's Alvarez. I mean, that debate, everyone made a debate. It's not Alvarez should be here. Both of them, maybe they split time. Maybe it's Alvarez for a week, three for Narvaez. Narvaez was hitting, you know, in the brief time he's here, he's hitting great. And he's a veteran defensive guy. Those two will work together great. But what do you think about Gary? And what do you think about Nito? I think Gary was a matter of time. I think the Mets had a, had a thought of, hey, if this guy comes up and smacks a couple bombs in a week, maybe we can, you know, flip him for something. Maybe he can land somewhere on his feet. Um, but I think that was a matter of time kind of thing. I think they just wanted to not ru- run out Michael Perez for a couple games, which I personally didn't have a problem with him. I think he had a four-hit game against the Nationals. He looked good defensively. So I think Gary was kind of like a fun experiment there, see if he can get some pop. Um, with the other catching situation, I think a lot of Mets fans are not factoring in the idea that if you do designate Tomas, you know, for assignment, he could clear waivers and you could just get him back. There's not a lot of teams that I think are like, we we need this d- defense first catcher who can't hit because a lot of those exist right now. Uh, that's just the fact of baseball. A lot of catchers can't hit, uh, but it's not going to be Alvarez. There's no way in hell that it's going to be a guy with an OPS above 800 who everybody on this veteran pitching staff has said that they love throwing to. It's not going to be him. And it's sure as hell not going to be Narvaez because he signed him for two years in another kind of complicated signing that, you know, is a whole nother conversation. The future of the rest of the season is going to be Alvarez and Narvaez behind the dish. And that's a damn good catching duo to have for the New York Mets. Doesn't it anger you when the lineup comes out? Well, one, you see Vogie, but two, you see Alvarez ninth, and you're like, but you get Buck's logic. Nimmo follows him. That's a good, you know, I would say one, two punch, but a nine, one punch. Uh, it, you know, it works out, but doesn't it frustrate you when you see guys who are hitting nowhere close to what Alvarez is doing? The clutch hits, the clutch homers, and he's down there in the nine hole. Does that anger you like it angers, you know, 99.9% of Mets Twitter? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not going to sit here and advocate that Alvarez should be bumped up to fifth because he'll get pitched completely differently. That's a that's a large jump to make. But I, w- I was saying in the middle of the game today, back when they didn't have 10 runs on the board and we're still trying to get those insurance runs, they had two runners on and Vogie came up and he looked at strike three again. And I was just thinking it would have been nice to have Alvarez there because seven in the lineup is kind of a spot where you could use a little bit of pop, a little bit of clutch hitting, whereas nine you could use an on-base guy, which is exactly what Vogie is, you know, a walk to reset the lineup and give Nimmo a runner on. So I think that simple switch would appease a lot of Mets fans and probably round out the lineup a little bit better. It's not what the Mets are doing right now. You don't traditionally bat a designated hitter ninth. I get that part on Buck's end. But yeah, it's about time that Alvarez moves up. It's been a month of sample, and we know that he's a top four hitting catcher in the National League and one of the top 10 hitters this month in baseball. There's no reason to put him at the bottom of the lineup and cost yourself at bats it really feels like we're waiting and waiting for Alvarez to bat every time he's in the lineup because it takes so long to get there with the Mets working all these counts and stuff like that and his approach doesn't look rushed at all it doesn't look different he looks like a seasoned veteran at 21 years old and I think he's earned it he's definitely earned it yeah and you've heard all the stories of how hard this kid has worked these last few weeks and how much he wants to get better how early he's getting to the ballpark and working on his game you're seeing him when he blocks balls i mean keith is praising him you know every inning for what he's doing behind the plate you're seeing his discipline at the plate you're seeing just a guy who looks like he's been in the league for a while and i you know i think the day will come here with vogelback i don't know i think they're just going to keep trotting him out there if he continues to struggle eventually his day is coming where they're going to cut him or do what they got to do. I don't know what they're going to do, um, but something's got to give here because I there's only so many times right down the middle I could see him strike out looking. 
I mean, every t- to the point where Jose Reyes even called him out in a tweet. How about that, John? That was pretty crazy. Jose's calling him out. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, I think Tacoma had a stat where he he has like 16 looking strikeouts, and the only people that have that many are like people that play every day. That's a lot, and that's like kind of what Vogie's game is. But I think people are pitchers are catching on that. Okay, this guy's not going to swing or challenge us. Okay, let's just pepper the zone and see what we can get and dock corners. And it's time for him to make the adjustment to counter that because if he doesn't, like you said, his time is going to be limited with the New York Mets. Yeah, imagine Colin Holderman in this middle relief that has struggled. Oh, no. I mean, oh, I mean, no. don't go down that. That's a dark road. Don't go down that it's, road. It's very, it's very dark. But that combined with the Darren Ruff road is a road that Mets oh, fans no. have had nightmares, and now we will all lose. We sleep. need, we need a good deadline this year. It's Literally, kind of been. Yeah. We need a redemption deadline this year for sure. Yeah, it's Billy Epler redemption season because he couldn't have had a worse deadline last year. Um, uh, Jolly Olive with us. Follow him on Twitter at Jolly underscore Olive. Subscribe to his YouTube and the JM Baseball YouTube. He is with John Boy Media joining us here on Amazing But True. Jake Brown at Jake Brown Radio at Amazing But True. New episodes with me and Nelson Vigoro on Mondays and me solo with guests on Thursdays. And today this episode drops Friday morning. Speaking of guys who have been here and have gone away, Marcus Stroman is one of those. And, uh, you know, he got a lot of people mad. Uh, one with his dominance. I mean, ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. And then I don't, you know, I wish we had a fan duel like over under minutes tweeted after the game. I think it was within 10 minutes he went to his phone. I mean, I don't even think he hit the shower before he tweeted the silent emoji. And listen, this guy I did not like him gesturing to the Mets dugout. Like, who are you looking at when you do that? Billy Epler was not on that side of the field. I don't know if Billy Epler was in the crowd behind him and he was looking at him or um, whatever direction he was going. But and then he tweeted today, that's the norm from that trash fan base calling, you know, and calling the Mets fan base all trash, calling us trash, poor generalization. Uh, This is a guy who's been salty, who's voiced his opinions on Twitter who probably wanted to stay here if the Mets were willing to pay him and they were not. He's in Chicago. He's doing well. Good for him. New Yorker. Good to see him do well. But what did you think of uh, his actions? And then an anonymous Met calling him out for those actions. What do you think of that whole saga with Strowman? I almost, I almost kind of wish that the anonymous Met didn't even put the quote out there because we all know like what their reaction was. It's, you know, annoying to say the least. And this is who Marcus Stroman is. You know, I think this is part of him as an athlete to hype himself up and, you know, talk like that. You know, it's, it's part of his game and you know what he's backed it up this year. He's having a great year. He's living up to the contract for the Cubs. It was just never going to work out with him in the Mets. I think after 2021 and all of the clubhouse controversies and the fiascos that went with that team, uh, to the point where it kind of destructed the team at the end, uh, a total deconstruction of that team was necessary. And he was part of that. And I, I don't know what the culture is like in the in the Cubs clubhouse. I'm not going to speak to that. But I do know that he's pitching his ass off and he pitched a great game against the Mets and he made our lineup look bad. So he earned the right to talk his shit 
because as Buck said before, and a quote that I actually really liked from him, well, if you didn't want that to happen, you probably should have strung together some runs and some hits. Uh, and the Mets came back out, and I think they had a little, you know, fire in their chest a little bit today, and that's why they put up a 10 spot. And I hope they feel good about that, and I hope they forget about the Cubs and put them in their rearview mirror because this is not a team the Mets have to worry about. Uh, you go in there, you took one. Hopefully, when you welcome them back in uh, to City Field later in the season, it goes better than it did last season because right now the Mets are in no position to be, you know, talking to the Cubs because the Cubs have kind of owned us for the past few series. Um, so I'm hoping the Mets can take this victory, put Stroman in the rearview mirror and just keep on trucking towards staying above 500 and building yourself a nice, comfortable gap above 500. Yeah, and they won't have to worry about Stroman because in October, Marcus Stroman will be doing another sport he's good at, and that's golf. He'll be golfing on uh, the nice Long Island pastures if he wants to return home here. But, you know, the guy's a punk, but good for him for doing this. I never really hated him, but I, I just didn't, like, immediately go on Twitter. Us. Yeah, I mean, he, he, had, he had some good moments with us, and he was tremendous defensively. He's, you know, it's just the immediate to Twitter and call on the fan base trash. Like, I wish he could just stay off of that and just worry about the game because – He's literally searching his name. I mean, he was replying and quoting tweets that didn't even add him. Um, you know, he, he's he got everyone blocked on Twitter. I don't like I never tweeted at him, so I've never gotten blocked. I just like to see the tweets uh, and avoid uh, you know, replying blocked. to him. But. Does he, he have me blocked? Have, he does have me blocked. Yeah. yeah. I don't right, know why. Well, I don't remember why. You know, you probably tweeted his name and he searched it and something negative and he blocked you. Might have been um, it, It's It's amazing that he goes out of his way to search his name um, and block those people. But anyways, that's in the rear view mirror. The Cubs aren't making the playoffs uh, and the Mets won't have to worry about Marcus Stroman. Well, the Mets go to Colorado this weekend. They get Scherzer Friday, Verlander Saturday, and McGill on Sunday. As the Mets here go to Colorado and it's been a rocky roller coaster, what's the Jolly Olive you know, Memorial Day weekend state of the Mets right now? Because this season has been pulling at our heartstrings. Uh, it's been wild for you. You know, you now you're not doing the pod anymore, but you were covering them up to, up until the last two weeks. Now you get to kind of watch it a little bit from afar. You're still doing baseball content, but you get to miss a game here and there and like get a breather and go out and get chicken farm dinner, you know, go out with the fam, have a good you know, night without worrying about the Mets every night. So I'm sure it's been mixed emotions for you, but what's the jolly olive Memorial day state of the Mets? Say the Mets is that I think things are good. I think this team, I, I know fans aren't going to want to hear this, but if you look at that June schedule, uh, you got to play 500 ball until the halfway point in the season. That's kind of just how things look. They're playing exclusively winning teams this next month. So I think if the Mets can keep their heads above water at, you know, like a five over 500 range, I think they'll be okay. I think that you got to keep playing the kids and see what you have in these kids. You're seeing it in Beatty. You're seeing it in Alvarez. See it through in Vientos as well. Uh, but the te- the the whole thing is going to be, can you get consistent, good starting pitching? And I'm, I'm sure every Mets head is saying this at this point because it is the main factor of this season. You'll get by with this bullpen. I think Buck is really, really good about resting his relievers and not overusing them like some other managers. But can you get six from your starters every night, a rotation that you invested a ton of money into? And I think June is a really good test. You're facing teams like the Phillies and the Blue Jays. You're facing, you know, the Pirates, but, you know, they've they've tailed off a little bit. The Astros are in there. The Yankees are in there. These are teams that you're going to want to beat if you're a true World Series or bust team. And hopefully you'll have Max Scherzer healthy. You'll have Justin Verlander healthy. Kodai Senko will hopefully be hitting his stride. These are the guys you need to go this next month 
because now we're starting to get deep into the season. Like these numbers are starting to matter. These games are really adding up. You're getting towards a third of the season. Like these, this is no longer small sample size. This is what kind of season these players are having. And Scherzer needs to turn it on. And Verlander needs to stay consistently good. And uh, I could repeat myself all day, but that's kind of the state of where I'm at as a fan. I'm fine right now, but ask me again after June. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think we're we're okay. We're not on cloud nine. We're not ready to jump off a cliff, although, you know, Frank the Tank and other pessimistic fans are. Um, I worry about his blood pressure when he records those videos. Uh, I, I love the Vogel fat thing just because it's, it's just funny. Um, and, you know, Pete Alonzo said he watches them and, you know, laughs at them. So at least he's providing some of the Mets entertainment. But, you know, my state of the Mets here is this. One, another thing, Senga, I didn't get to mention Wednesday, he needs to just be more consistent. I think he's got the stuff to be really good, but I worry a little bit that he's going to continue needing the six days because the Mets just don't have the depth to have six starters. Like he needs to be able to go every five days when there's no off days. You know, I want to see him be able to do that. I want to see him develop a bit better command. Now with better weather, that should happen. Obviously it was windy. It was cold in Chicago. I don't want to make excuses about the weather because in October, the weather will be cold and there will be wind in Queens. So I don't want to make that an excuse, but you know, maybe with a little bit better weather, but he's got to be more consistent because as your number three, he can't be, you know, giving up four runs every six days. And, you know, we got to see some more consistency from McGill as well, because listen, Quintana's not going to be back here for probably another month or so. So McGill's locked in and we got to continue to see what we saw from Carrasco and then the middle relief. That's my concern with this team is that that's what they're going to need to bolster before the deadline. They got to get arms and, you know, maybe McGill's that guy who moves to the to the bullpen when Quintana's back, but that's not going to be enough. You know, Tommy Hunter is fine in mop-up duty when it's 10-1, but in a 5-4 game in the fifth, sixth inning, he has not been good. So the Mets have to get help in that middle relief. And, you know, Adam Adovino's got to be another guy more consistent. So those guys all need to step up and be consistent and do what's on the back of their baseball card. Carlos Carrasco has had a good career. Adam Adovino's had a good career. Senga in Japan has had a tremendous career. If those guys could do what they have always done, this Mets team will be just fine. And then October when the trumpets sound, as I do expect Edwin Diaz to return, I feel it. Um, I know he's going to work his ass off to get back and I see him coming back. So there's no reason to truly jump off the ledge just yet and just, you know, start beating teams that you should, because yeah, they played up to those better teams. And you talked about that schedule. June is really just a nightmare schedule, which what we seeing it looks good for the Mets because they step up versus the team, but you have to continue to play better against bad teams. Stop losing series to sub 500 teams. That'll come back to bite you. You know, a bit them what they lost the division by a game last year. Maybe the season changed one more win last year. We won't go down that road, but beat those bad teams. Jolly Olive, tell us what you're doing now. You know, Shea Station, you know, I love you and Jerry. You guys do great. That show has come to an end, but you're doing a lot of stuff with John Boy. Tell our listeners what you're doing. Um, the two times I met you were interesting. I met you at the John Boy Media Party in L.A. Yeah. And then I met you at a Giants watch party at Billy. So I met you in L.A. and the Bronx. I've not seen you in Queens yet, so we'll have to do a game this year. But tell us about what you're doing. Uh, yeah, man. Jerry's doing great stuff on SNY. Did post game tonight. Chatted with him yesterday. So all is well there. Uh, I'm doing my one video a week on my own YouTube channel, baseball with video essays and stuff like that. But also for more fun stuff on Jumboy Media Baseball, that YouTube page, we do a daily baseball trivia video of some kind. We play games called 
rough guess where we best uh, we guess a player based on the back of their baseball card and different grid trivia and all that. And we basically just, uh, you know, pick the brain of all the baseball minds we have in the office because there's a lot of freaks in that John Boy Media office that know way too much about baseball. So that's what we're doing every day. I'm the main producer and host over there. And it's been a lot of fun. Nice little pivot for me. Um, so, yeah, just go check out that stuff. We got stuff coming out every day. And I appreciate you as always. Yeah, you are what are you like 24, 25? I'm so you you told me that's how just turned 24. 24. This kid is a youngin doing youngin. good things. What do you got? Like 70k uh subscribers on YouTube. Come on. The, come on. Do, you know, I'll keep giving you compliments and uh you know, you're doing good things at a young where'd you go to college? Rutgers, Rutgers University. Rutgers. All right. The pride of Rutgers is doing great things. Jersey. Here. So uh you're you're from Jersey, right? Yes, sir. Sorry to hear that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you're doing good things over there. And John Boy, yeah, there are some people who know about baseball. And I remember, you know, talking Jake just absolutely dominating the dance floor in L.A. That guy. Oh, yeah. Electric dance move. Scary man to enter a club with. Let me tell he's you. He's scary, but he could get low. You know, he's shorter. I'm, I'm 6'3". I can't get low like that. Can't get low but, like that. Yeah. Talking Jake gets low. And Jolly Olive gets low here. Follow him on Twitter at Jolly underscore Olive. We appreciate you coming on Amazing But True. We'll do it again late in the season. And let's uh, turn these vibes around. Let's go win in Colorado and then return home for a fun week. You know, Mets Hall of Fame week. Howie Rose bobblehead coming out Wednesday. The first little weekday special promotion at City Field. Uh, so some good vibes are coming the Mets way. And we appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jake. We'll close this episode of Amazing But True next. Don't like it, do something about it. Some great stuff there from Jolly Olive. He does a terrific job, and the kid's 24 and crushing it. So, you know, the video, the YouTube game is the name of the game, and he has developed such a great following, and we were able to make it work. So thanks to Jolly for coming on the show, or Jack, as uh, his name actually is. But uh, we prefer Jolly, as that says goodnight. To episode 148 of Amazing Mature, Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me in producing the show as always. And make sure you subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. And if you're watching this on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, subscribe. Go to that Amazing But True playlist. Follow, subscribe to the playlist so you get updated on when new episodes and clips drop. Give a thumbs up below and comment below. What are you feeling about the Mets? We gave our state of the Mets, how we're not panicking. Thursday was a big win. They needed it. But what do you think they should do here? Who do you cut? What do you do? Do you call Mauricio? He brings up an interesting point. Listen, Mauricio's trade value right now is going to be at an all-time high. If he comes up here and does not produce, that brings him down. So that there is something to that. But at some point, you're going to have to make – you cannot keep Fam and Vogel back on the roster the way they're playing. And they're not showing any signs of doing anything better. So I don't know why they're keeping them around or why they continue to give them at bats. There's going to be a time you say, ta-ta, Turbo Man. Go beat the Rockies this week. For Jolly Olive, I am Jake Brown. Nelson Figueroa and I will be back on Monday on Memorial Day. Hope you all have a tremendous Memorial Day weekend. We'll drop an episode Monday morning after the series in Colorado. If you're going to the Subway Series, the second game, we will be doing a live podcast after the game at Ebbs Brewing Co. That's right, right outside the right field gate at City Field. As soon as the game ends, head over to Ebbs, have a beer, and come watch Amazing But True. That's Wednesday, June 14th, following game two, the finale of the Subway Series Mets-Yankees. Me and Figgy and potentially a special guest will have a show. Can't wait 
to see you for a post subway series pod well enjoy your weekend and go beat the rockies and we'll finish as we always do here an amazing but true let's go mets if you have abs you don't eat enough